I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We don't always swear, but when we do, it's on podcasts. Please listen responsibly. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're reading Chapter 8 of Briar's book. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. Or your drink of choice. And let's look like shit. Except Molly, who looks really cute. No, y'all can't see that. Just have to believe us. Chapter 8. Yay, everyone's back at discipline! Yay! Chris gets to run into Crane and basically tell him he looks like shit. <laughs> Crane follows Tris back to discipline, where he runs into Rosethorn, who's like, no, I just got out of quarantine. I'm not getting roped into your bullshit. He basically starts trying to butter her up, like, you're awesome. Everybody in this house is amazing. Don't you kids know that? There's Frost Pine's awesome, Rose Thorn's awesome, Lark's awesome, Nico's awesome, and of course I'm awesome. <laughs> Clearly. The Rose Thorn's like, I just want to go back to bed. So either tell me what you want or shut the fuck up. I don't care which. <laughs> and he's like, fine, I'll stop beating around the bush. I'll tell you what I want. Crane wants Rose Thorn's help finding a cure for the blue pox. Everybody else is incompetent. Except for Rose Thorn, and Rose Thorn will not go without Briar. And he's like, I don't want that kid in my. Oh yeah. But Briar doesn't want to go work with Crane anymore. Oh hell no! He's like, I won't do it. I'm not going to. I won't do it. Rose Thorn's like, buddy, you will, or you will face my wrath. Everybody goes to bed, and then Briar has a bad dream. Briar dreams that he's chasing Flick through the sewers and he can't catch up with her and he knows something bad is going to happen. He wakes up and his friends can feel that he's upset. So they all go to his room and sleep in there with him. When Rosethorn comes in to get Briar the next morning, she finds him asleep in a heap with all the girls and the dog and the birds. So Rosethorn wakes Briar up and we actually get to see the inside of the greenhouse. Briar's job is putting the powders and the liquids that might be cures into the wells with the blue pox essence. And Osprey and Briar also share a nice little moment where they talk about Mm -hmm. how Rosethorn and Crane are both absolutely horrifying and why would anyone want to work with them? 
while she is explaining to Briar what his job is, she leaves for a moment to talk to Yellow Rose. Yellow Rose has a sleeve that's about to get caught in the blue pox essence. Before she can help the situation, Crane comes in and goes, out. I need two more assistants just in case another one fucks up. I also want to point out that whenever Briar first walks in, it's the complete opposite of Erda's house. Uh, He notices that while all the people working on it uh, realize that it is a big, huge problem, they also make it seem like it's just a hassle. Like, really, we have to deal with this? Okay, gosh. Yeah. They're more detached from the it, pots. It hasn't yes. happened to them, so they realize yeah. it's serious, but it hasn't happened to them. So they're just like, eh, I'm sure something will happen to one of them. And they'll be like, oh, this is a bigger deal than I thought it was. Let's start with section 0.75. Is there anything in this chapter that reminded you of our own pandemic? Well, I guess what I was literally just talking about. Yeah, I, I was about to say the exact thing Brittany was just talking about. <laughs> we have people who have approached this as, oh, it hasn't affected me, so I don't really have to deal with the consequences. I literally work with the person right now that swore up and down that this thing was a hoax. People are blowing it way out of proportion. People were just trying to be controlled, all this nonsense. And now he's out with the coronavirus. He's been out for the past couple of weeks. It kind of sucks that people have to go through things to realize certain things instead of just showing decent human, just being a decent person. And the other side of this coin is like sibling mine loves wearing a mask. Absolutely is digging this point in time because people have to stay six foot away and they can wear a mask. I think that after when everything has settled down to the point where when you don't have to enforce the mask rule it would be nice to just continue being able to wear a mask it's ridiculous how people are making a fun and and this is nothing new back in the in the 20s people were also anti-maskers back then during the spanish flu and literally just history repeating itself and we i think you know how people were saying you know it's been too long since we've had a good plague you know, to get rid of people, but I feel like we need that just to get people to like realize how important it is to take care of other folks and not just yourself. Two things I wrote down are scrubbing surfaces constantly. It's like, oh, we yes. do this, and now we have to wipe down the table. Inauguration: one person speaks, and then the guy comes and wipes down the podium, and then the next person speaks, and the guy yep. comes and wipes down the podium. And then <coughs> they talk about in Crane's workshop. There's a drain on the floor and there's like a steam that fills the workshop every night that disinfects everything and goes down through the drain. And at our school, twice a week, they have a disinfectant fogger that the custodians come in with and fog all the rooms with this disinfectant. It just reminded me a lot of that. (laughs) 
part one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked and disliked. What did you guys like and dislike about this chapter? I like the yellow air dedicates to having bird names like Lark, Crane, and Osprey. I think Lark is an air. No, Lark is an earth dedicate. There are actually a couple of other examples in it, too, besides Crane and Osprey. But yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I know that we got someone from like the earlier books that I, I didn't notice until like today. That mages would kill to work with Crane. Mm. And even though they don't know him personally, so they wouldn't be as enthused when they get there in person. But also the fact that the rest of the teachers at uh, Discipline are all like literally world-class teachers. Like, I knew they were good. I knew that Frostpine was, like, one of the few people in the world, or pretty much the only person in the world. The only person in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, for some reason, people think it's weird that Karel is surprised that anybody else can do his abilities, even though he's the Mm. only person. (laughs) We're just just going to skip over. We're just going to skip over that. Is this the chapter where... They talk about Winding Circle and Lightsbridge being, like, competitive with one another. I think so, yeah. I I know that there's somewhere where they talk about Winding Circle and Lightsbridge basically being, like, rival schools, which, oh my god, I want, like, the football game, please. I I actually did have one more thing. It's a dislike. There is a missed course opportunity. Right? When she was like, okay, I'm going to gather my baskets and I'm going to go get some food. I was like, we're going to get Seagorse. And then the very next line is like, and she came back. Yeah, she came back. (laughs) I really love how far Triss has come. And I say this every single book, but I love that she wakes up and she's like, oh, we have more people here now and I wasn't prepared for that, but I'd better go like get some food so I can make breakfast for everybody. And she's basically just taking care of the whole household because she knows that everybody else is exhausted and somebody needs to take on this job. And it is just amazing. And I am so proud of her and she's beautiful. And then we get to see Tris and Crane together, which is fantastic. And I wrote... Crane is so much like Triss, dot, 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 yet somehow more of an asshole. (laughs) And I feel like that is Crane in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, And then I think it's really funny that when Crane's talking to Rose Thorne, when Rose Thorne is in quarantine, she's complaining about being in quarantine. She's complaining about all the people at Erda's house being terrible. But then when she's talking to Crane about it and he's like, oh, you probably just got yourself quarantined so that you could get out of it. Blah, blah, blah. She's defending Erda's house. And I'm like, you just spent the last six chapters whining about this. Reminded me a little bit of living in the residence halls, though, at college, because I always hated that people like the RAs and stuff were like, well, they're not dorms, they're residence halls. And I'm like, they're the same thing but then if people got like kind of snobby about me living in the dorms then I'd be like they're not dorms they're residence halls (laughs) Uh, course Lark how she's like they just have to like fight it out for a little bit and it'll cool down and this is just totally normal I also wrote down about Lark we talked in a previous episode about Lark having been in the mire and that's how Rose Thorne and Lark met we speculated on that possibly being part of the reason that Rose Thorne continues to go back to Erda's house and to help in the mire. I feel like there's further evidence in this chapter that that's the case, 
because even though the book says that part of her vows are that she has to like help the poor, we'd assume that Crane's vows would be similar because they're part of the same religion, but he obviously does that in a different way. So I feel like that's definitely the case. Oh, and then there's the part where... Rosehorn talks about part of the reason we need Briar is because he's one of the few people who may have the aptitude for this, which kind of reminded me of the healers in the last couple of chapters talking about how there's like an aptitude for healing. So there's also apparently like a natural aptitude for cure finding, which I just thought was an interesting world building moment. Briar's nightmare is exactly how my nightmares go where like all of the shit from the day just gets all muddled into this weird, super trippy thing. And I was like, I feel this. The last two things I wrote are shriek. And that my absolute favorite part is Osprey and Briar bonding. I love those two so much. But we, we talked about several of my likes already. The interaction between Triss and Crane is just... A little, little chef's kiss right there. Just mwah, beautiful. Their entire relationship is just fantastic. Tris is one of the very few people who are like, I'm not scared of you. Let's go. We, we talk about how Sandry is the one who's like constantly ready to post up and throw hands. But we don't talk about Tris starts doing that. And I think it's a mixture of her own personality and being around Sandry. She gets ready to just fight. And she just doesn't care who she goes up against. Mm-hmm. Molly mentioned that going through everything and how much Triss has grown. And like in the first book, she wouldn't have been ready to just tear down Crane. She's gotten a lot of snarkiness, and I just love it. But there's also the... They have to argue a little bit before they're ready to uh, behave. The whole... Either say what you're going to say or go away, because I'm ready to go back to bed. That is me in a whole mood. Stop beating around the bush or leave me alone. Like, I don't care which. Just do one or the other. Like, I have uh, the part in which... Rosethorn's finally like, okay, I'll help. Whatever. I genuinely think that those two, they're the type of rivals that are like, but they work so well together. Because what Crane sees and what Rosethorn sees and how they see it are so different that they're complementary. It's just fantastic. Briar just being like, I don't like him. Rosalind's like, you don't have to like him, but you're going to do this. Larks, she must feel some better if she's tormenting people. <laughs> That's the Rosalind we know and love. She's ready to fight everybody. And yes, Molly, you are correct. Triss and Rosalind are a lot alike. There's a quote. Because no one who's truly your friend would want you to feel bad for knowing them. That is the part that almost had me bawling. That is such a horrible way of trying to remember somebody is to make a day that's supposed to be happy or whatever and turning it into this morning. Um, That part is, 
again with my niece. My niece and my daughter have the exact same birthday. Last year, I got a little cake on the side for my niece. My, my sister wasn't there, but if she were to be there, I would almost feel like I was rubbing it in her face. Oh, look, my kid's still alive and your your kid's dead. And we're, we're celebrating even though she's gone. That part just really hit me with having that going on with my Yeah, rereading that part, that's kind of what I thought about. It's hard and it's going to stay hard. There is no making that any easier every year that goes by it might hurt less but that's because you become stronger and able to carry that weight but it it's not easier I don't care who says time makes everything easier no it doesn't you're just stronger okay so we're we're gonna go on a happier topic happy happy stuff (laughs) The line of, if the outer workroom was grand, the, the inner was enough to stagger a boy from Dead Man's District once he could see through the blaze of magic that's shown everywhere. I love that. Because Briar did come from this very poor, very crime-laden area. Seeing Crane's workshop is incredible to him because there's so much magic there's such fantastic things and i think it's in this chapter where crate is like i will know if that goes missing (laughs) in previous books you guys gave nico so much shit that he never taught tris how to see magic and in this chapter fucking crane admits that he can't see magic because when Xander brings out the masks and gloves, everything, and they all the kids like wince and they're like, Crane's like, what's wrong with them? And they're like, you can't see it. And he's like, no, I have to take a potion to be able to see magic. And y'all gave Nico so much shit that he never taught Tris how to see this shit. And then even this great mage, him bragging on himself, I'm a great mage, I'm amazing. And he can't even see magic. And y'all are like, Oh, Nico is awful because he never taught Tris how to do this. And even his great mage don't even know how to do that. So do you know why I gave he so much money shit? And he can buy stuff for it. Nico knows how to do it. So, so, so Nico sure instead of taking a shortcut. Yeah. Nico knows how to do it and has the ability to teach how to do it. Because he has so much time between earthquakes yes. and pirate attacks and yes. all this stuff. Well, I if he doesn't he have, have the time, he doesn't have a different teacher. <laughs> who, Molly? Who? Because everybody is not dealing with all that shit either. Well, Rose Thorn and Larkin Frostpine all find time to teach their students. Frostpine has two students, and he finds time to teach them both. <laughs> I like the bonding of Osprey and Briar bitching about both Crane and Rose Thorn. They're like um, com- commiserating on the fact yeah. that they're both bad. Yeah. Well, not bad, but you know, hard to work the- yeah, and that is actually the last like I have on here. 
a lot of mine got touched on, but oh my God, I absolutely love Tris in this chapter. Tris is so cute. Oh my gosh. Like Molly said, she's done a lot of growing because she would not have done that in the first book. At one point, Sandra even tries to get up to help her. And Tris is like, no, you've been working hard. Sit your ass back down. I got this. Tris was so good in this chapter. I loved her. Which, when I first started reading these books, Tris was my least favorite character of the four. I was like, I don't like Tris. She's just there. And now, oh my God, I love Tris so fucking much. Yeah. Of the four, I I don't know. They each have different things. And like, Dodge was my favorite, but I don't know. Every single one of them have different things going on for them that I love them so much for. Yes. And then... Crane, I went back and forth between liking and disliking him in this chapter. When you first see him, he's with Tris and like them snarking back and forth at each other. I'm like, oh, just I need some fan fiction of just them going back and forth. It's amazing. I could read hours of it. It's so great. I love it. And then they get into discipline and he starts bickering with Rose. So I'm like, okay, I hate him again. He's so annoying. Just stop it, guys. No more. And then he starts bragging about how amazing everyone is. I'm like, okay, I like this guy again. And then uh, Rose Thorne says that she wants Briar with her. And then he he goes back to being an asshole. Like, oh, I don't want that kid with me. I'm like, guy, you're, you're throwing me back and forth. Pick a side of which way you're going to be. Am I going to like it? <laughs> stop. It has to be one or the other, right? right. There can't be a middle ground. <laughs> yeah. And then I really like whenever Crane is talking about how great all the teachers are. And uh, then he specifically tells Rose Thorne, I would hope you know that I respect your gifts and your knowledge. You are needed. I'm sure that's really hard for him to do. And so he put his pride aside and, and tells her that. So I thought that was very good on his part. And then... Indy already talked about the conversation between Briar and Sandry. I know y'all don't agree with me, but more more shipping going on with this scene. Oh my gosh. Flags are flying. That is exactly what Briar needs to hear, though, from, from Sandry. Like she wouldn't want that. And he's like, How would you know? How do you know that? You didn't even know her, basically. And she's like, because I, I just know. And this, uh, it broke my heart. I always started bawling. And I'm glad I was in a separate room or Steven would have been like, why are you <laughs> over a book? What's wrong with so, you? <laughs> like, I was already bawling last chapter. And he's like, crying over a book. And I'm like, you don't understand. She died. And he's like, oh, oh, oh okay, whatever. Like, uh, you don't know. Damn. And she was she yeah. was hardly in it in the series and just, yeah. My last one was when Os- how do you say her name Osprey? She shows Briar the task that he's going to be doing, and I almost felt like he was surprised with what the task was. He's like, oh yeah, I could do this, especially with going through um, the whole building and everyone basically has been telling him the whole time that he's in there. You're going to get kicked out. We'll see you in a couple hours. Come hang out with us. And so 
I'm sure he was expecting like this really big, hard task, something that he's not going to be able to do. And Rose Thorne was like setting him up for failure almost. And then he gets in there and it's like, Oh, this, this is something that I can do. And so I was excited for him that it was something that he could do. All these adults are in there telling him how much he's going to fuck up and how he's going to get tossed out of there. And we'll see you in a little bit, buddy. And we won't be seeing you because he's going to no, still be in there and they're going to be at the loser's <laughs> table in the cafeteria. Because he's awesome. He's going to kick some ass. He's going to be like, mm, see, I'm awesome. He's going to use those uh, guild thief fingers. And so everything that Rose Thorne was telling Crane about him is going to come true. And be like, oh, I guess I doubted myself. Rose Thorne thinks I'm good but i don't think so and then he's gonna actually do it i'm like oh i guess i am as good as rose thorn thinks i am sweet the nice thing about rose thorn like not showing praise very often is that when she does you know that she really means it oh yeah for sure praise means a lot more when it's rarely given yes Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yes. Two is reading like a dedicate. This is where we look for a theme or a message in the chapter. What themes did y'all find? We just touched on it, actually, and it's praise. Crane is giving praise to all of the teachers. Grosthorn is like, I guess you're okay. <laughs> and then like her giving Briar praise. There's there's a lot of it in this chapter. And just recognizing that people are actually good at what they do. The exact quote I had highlighted was... Rosethorn is a great maid. She's one of the most powerful with uh, regards to medicine and plants and all of the pebbled sea and its environs. I also love the fact that Rosethorn promptly adds, he says one of because he means he's another. <laughs> and then Crane's like, well, naturally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that was like, obvious. Of course, of course. Yeah. And like... I also feel like that's kind of Rose giving or Rose Thorn giving her own form of praise for Crane. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I guess he's okay. Uh, <laughs> Mine is closely related. My theme is pride and humility. Crane and Rose Thorn, just their whole argument is kind of then both being proud and trying to figure out how to humble themselves enough to work with each other. And then when Crane's like, oh, yeah, Rosethorn and Lark and Frostpine are all great mages, blah de blah blah how did they not know this? And Lark's just like, why was it necessary to tell them? I love the humility that goes with that, which, of course, contrasts with Crane being like, oh, of course, I'm a great mage. I thought that was obvious. Um, I just love his confidence, though. I mean, if you got it, you got it, man. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Tris and everybody just kind of caring for each other. There's a humility in that of I am going to care for you because you need it. And I'm not too proud to be to like lower myself to make breakfast or whatever it is. I wrote, tr oh, Tris not arguing with Crane. So I guess there's a part where she's like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to let this slide and not make a fuss about it. I think it was when he or he grabbed a... Uh basket from her that's right that's right back. he takes the basket and she's like no you know she's what just like let him take the basket yeah. she was about to tear into him until she realized who it was yeah little bear shows humility when he decides not to jump on crane <laughs> what we already talked about with the kids and seeing magic because crane's just been like talking talking himself up and then they uh they all like cover their eyes when this big magic artifact gets brought out and he's like what the hell's wrong with them and they're like and lark is like oh they can see magic you can't 
<laughs> which is just like a lovely little like subtle dig at Crane being very prideful. Similarly, you kind of get the impression that this is something impressive and like a big thing that you that obviously not everybody can do seeing magic but again like the kids are humble about it it's not something that's important to them they're not they don't have to brag about themselves um the theme i found was care starting with tris how she goes and gets all the food for everybody because everybody's sleeping with uh, all the kids piling into briar's bed Um, When he has a nightmare, they're taking care of him through the pain of losing his friend. And then also, I guess, I don't know if this is a stretch, all the people in the greenhouse, they're taking care of doing their job properly, I guess. Because if they don't be careful and take care in what they're doing, they could mess everything up and make the disease spread even more. So I guess if that's the case, then Crane is showing a lot of care by getting rid of people that he doesn't think seems working to his, what's the word? Standards. Standards, yes. Mm -hmm. Working to his standards. So he's taking care in his work. Extreme care in his work. Yeah, I think you're probably the only person who could be like, yeah, so his being an asshole is him caring about people. Crane's actions inside the lab seem kind of harsh, but like if you have someone that could potentially get the blue pox on themselves and then eventually spread it to someone else because they were not being careful in the lab, they should not be in there. Exactly. Exactly. So my theme was perspective. Touched on this earlier is that uh, the people that were working on trying to find a cure inside Crane's greenhouse they were just so detached from like what they were actually working mm-hmm. towards and what the blue pox actually does to people. And Briar was like shocked because he had been in it. He was in the trenches. He was helping people with his hands, you know, in their faces, trying to get them to, to help them get better. And I get that there's maybe you try to find comedy or silver linings in your work and trying, you know, because otherwise you kind of, get depressed too but like to me it just seemed really weird people making jokes and laughing about stuff terrible stuff going out there Uh, it's kind of a weird like i said just different perspectives on the same thing the other big one was just between rose thorn and crane we already kind of touched on earlier osprey is like briar how can you work with rose thorn she literally has such a sharp tongue and briar's like well, Crane's kind of a jerk. Do you enjoy working for an old bag like him? Like, it all depends on what you're used to and how long you've known the people and how you work with them. And it's just such an interesting thing. And it's it's cool to see it in a book in between these two uh, contentious characters. <laughs> Part three is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic were you able to craft out of this chapter? What I pulled out of this is whenever Crane is talking to Rose Thorn, trying to get her to help him, he tells her something like, I would hope by now that you know that I respect you. 
And so for me, I guess I'm kind of like crane a little bit in that, that I just expect people to know how I feel about them without ever saying it to them. I feel like I should let people know more how I feel about them instead of just assuming that they know. For me, this chapter was, I guess, super profound because I found a bunch of shit. The first thing I wrote down was what Indy quoted earlier. No one who's truly your friend would want you to feel bad for knowing them. I don't really have like a anything to add to that. That quote really hit me and I feel like it's an important thing to remember. And then I just loved how Lark is mostly above the fuss and just like, ah, you know, whatever, they'll get it out of their system. But also subtly jabs at Crane. And I'm like, yes, this is the Lark I want to be. The other thing that hit me bigger than that is Osprey, at least from this chapter, I feel like she's running the show kind of more than Crane is. And I feel like she's doing a better job of it. I love how she tells Briar, if you spill something, then come quietly over here and we will just take care of it because we don't need to make a fuss about it. And when Yellow Rose is about to get their the, their sleeve in the blue pox, she just goes over and she's like, oh, hang on, freeze. We're going to fix this. And I feel, I understand Crane's, oh, get out because you're incompetent. But I feel like in that situation, it was a little harsh because first of all, if he continues to send people out so quickly, then he's never going to get anybody who is trained well enough to not make those kind of mistakes. And also I feel like that's potentially part of like that that's contributing to this atmosphere of like it not being as serious because everyone's just like, oh yeah, we got stuck here. And in 12 hours, we're going to get kicked out because of whatever. The way Osprey handles it is she's, this is serious. We need to be as careful as we can. And she's just like, we're just going to take care of this. I feel like in that situation, if Crane hadn't come in, she would have helped Yellow Rose. Yellow Rose would have stayed and learned from that mistake and then been able to do their job better. But instead, they just get kicked out, and now we get some other person who doesn't know anything about what they're doing. I want to be more like Osprey. Uh, so my personal magic, picking up the slack, Triss really taking up the mantle as like head of the household and discipline. She was making food for everybody. She doesn't have any direct thing that she can do to help with this pandemic, but she can support the people that are. She's making food, she's making tea, she's making sure that there is enough food in the house for her to make food. And I don't think she was asked by anyone to do this. That's something that I think that any of us can really aspire to do. Just be aware of what's going on around us and then stepping up to the plate and just doing what we can. An example that's going on right now, I'm the only one in my family right now with a four-wheel drive truck. So if anybody needed to go out for groceries or something, I can definitely make the trip a bit easier and safer than anyone else. So I've already offered everybody, hey, if you need food, holler at me. Like, I I can go get something for you. Because I know my sisters and my mom were not ready. They they both have cars that are uh, not exactly good for snowy conditions. So I found two, to use Brittany's quote, 
because that's kind of one of mine is I saw that kind of sucking up your pride and asking someone for help. I know that I'm really proud a lot of the time and I won't ask for help. Um, I'll just be like, oh, I'll do it myself. You want a sense of being able to rely on someone else where it's not just you. And I sometimes need to remember that it's okay for even the strongest people to ask for help. I'm constantly like, hey, if you need something, just let me know. I'll do my best to help. Or even if it's just, I'm here to listen to you bitch and vent. But I don't have that same ability of being like, hey, I, I need help with this thing. I need to remember that it's okay that the people that I'm around actually give a shit and therefore want to help if I need it. And the other one is it's right after Briar has the nightmare and he's like, how could he let her die even with all this magic to serve him? He didn't try hard enough. If he had, Flick would be alive. He'd as good as killed her himself by not doing more. The conversation that follows is talking about, well, you did all you could. It's not your fault. And I know that a lot of the time I'm, because of the fact that I kind of burden what I need and just carry on and do that, sometimes I have this, I could have done more. I definitely need to try and remember that Sometimes your best isn't good enough. You can try, you can do everything you're supposed to do, but sometimes it's just not enough. Because I, I get really messed up when I try and do something and then it all backfires or something out of my hands makes what I'm trying to do either obsolete or fail. At the end of each episode, we like to share an excerpt from the next chapter. So this is an excerpt from chapter eight of Briar's book. Crane and Rosethorn continued to change the ingredients Briar used, marking some trays to be kept overnight, telling him to get rid of others. That job alone was scary. The trays had to be carried into the outer workroom to be emptied and boiled. He did not want to spill anything. The clock struck, though Briar wasn't sure of the hour, just before he heard Triss say, Just a moment. You said three drops of elecampane essence? Rather clearly, as I recall, Crane replied. But you added three drops not so long ago. I did not. Yes, you did. Around two o'clock, replied Triss. She flipped through a sheaf of notes. Right here. See? Crane looked over Triss's shoulder. These are not your notes. They're your last scribes. I looked through while you were getting supplies. You just happened to remember? Briar couldn't tell if Crane was sarcastic or thoughtful. I remembered, drawled Triss, much like Crane, because I memorized the spelling of Ella campaign in case you needed it again. Chris looked up and saw that not only was Briar watching, but Rosethorn as well. Do I afford you amusement? He wanted to know. Yes, Rosethorn told him immediately. Briar ducked his head and acted busy.
Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like listening, tell your friends about us. If you don't like listening, tell your enemies. Please tell us what you think of the Circle of Magic by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. You can find more of Reading Circle Temple at readingcircletemple.com or find Reading Circle Temple on Tumblr. And thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their artwork on Tumblr at Yellow is for Happy Draws or on Instagram at Shannon and Draws. Also, thanks to Britain's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. As as to quote a thing that was said in my household, we're going to stay on fun, happy topics like the, the death of Kurt Cobain. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.